real news. Welcome everyone to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is 10-10-2019. That's August. Why did I say August? October 10th, 2019. And for me, it's snowing. We're in the middle of a snowstorm, believe it or not. Um, roads are icky. It's really cold. Um, and I'm here with you with a hot cup of coffee and so much to talk about. More so to help on parsing through the rubbish. There was some breaking news we're going to talk about, about how people have been arrested and indicted and all this stuff. It's just incredible. But I'm going to help walk you through it because it seems that legalese and parroting is something that confuses all of us, something that causes congestion. You know, today I actually had to go at two friends of mine that are reporters for more. One is super mainstream media. The other one's not. And I said, well, why are you circulating this poll? Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, that people need to pay attention and, you know, the Senate needs to do something. The other person was like, well, I'm pointing out the farce in it. And I said, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that people see the title of that article circulating, which gives it justification. It's kind of like, if you keep paying for something, then people are going to think it's a legitimate thing, kind of like CrowdStrike. No legitimate contract with the FBI, but then gets awarded a bunch of state contracts. So by the time they go to court, they could say, well, you know, they've worked with us. So even though there wasn't a contract, um, they kind of do their job right. And they've done this. And speaking of CrowdStrike, we need to talk about that because it seems like... um there's a lot going on, like a lot going on. I'm kind of like, where is all of this coming from? How is all of this happening? You know, the, the, the left has done the same thing they did without FISA through the Southern District of New York. This is a very big deal. This is a coup and they are trying to skew and push and prod and pull information that makes absolutely no sense to make it look like a crime. I mean, man, this happens all the time, all the time. Now, (laughs) we need to take it a bit slower, look a little bit to see what, um, what is happening, what is coming, what will be happening. And, um, kind of take it from there. I think I want to start with a great, um, monologue. Now, you all know that I, I've written for Big League Politics. At that time, Patrick Howley was my editor. I absolutely have the biggest brain crush on this guy. Uh, I think he's a genius. Um, he's so articulate, so smart. Um, you know, there's, There aren't many words to say. And you know, I kind of think to myself sometimes, I wonder, he's talking about the Great Awakening, but does he know if he's ever actually spoken to Anon? I mean, or even Q themselves? I mean, um, he might have, and he just doesn't know it, right? All of you might have, and you just don't know it. You don't know who's in your DMs. You don't know if Rush Limbaugh is wearing a cape 
you don't know if I'm wearing a cape. You don't know who's wearing the cape, which is make, which makes it a lot more fun, right? So I want us to listen to Patrick because this monologue, see, Patrick was always part of a movement of liberating people and providing information. I guess this is why he went into journalism, kind of like Laura Loomer. She went into journalism for transparency, not Islamophobia, like the, like the left likes to say. It's all about transparency, exposing corruption, and giving the people power back. And I'm really glad that Patrick has evolved now going over to Epic Times to someone that understands what we the people really means. Take a listen to this monologue and just let it sit for a bit. And I'm better than Jim Acosta. Together, he we is. are going to help President Donald Trump win re-election because we know the truth of the world. We're tired of it, and we will risk our lives to change it. The truth of the world, my friends, is that many people in our country are not really free. Victims of human trafficking get pumped over our southern border every day, their mouths gagged, their limbs bound, kind of like how all those kids in the 70s, like Johnny Gosh, just disappeared and became faces on the milk carton. But I'm not just talking about sex slaves, I'm talking about all of us. Every moment of our waking life is manipulated. Every facet of our reality is distorted. Every chance for real human connection is automated. And odds are the guy on the other line doesn't speak English. So let's talk for a moment about how the globalist elites, the one percenters, the central planners in Europe, keep us from being truly free. As children, we board a mandatory yellow bus sent by the government. The bus takes us to a public school to be held for questioning. By law, we have to go. We have no choice. The teachers are mostly dumber than the students. We learn nothing. It's all just progressive nonsense about how America is built on white supremacy and God is a bigot who hates your uncle's bachelor roommate. While our parents sit in their cubicles stressing about the mortgage, we get raised by celebrities instead. Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, the Kardashians. We absorb their values, sexual promiscuity, drug and alcohol abuse, sentimentality instead of love, and a secular cynicism about life. That cynicism is all around us. We watch two commercial airliners fly into the World Trade Center on a Tuesday and people jumping to their deaths on Good Morning America. We were told this was the work of Osama bin Laden, a man who lived in Pakistan. And so we watched our military invade a different country called Iraq. This cost us more than $1 trillion, and that money ended up in the hands of defense contractors. Those corporations, fat on their wartime profit, started merging, consolidating. Their faceless brands became bigger and more powerful. Our beautiful American environment was paved over. Our mom and pop shops were run out of Mayberry by soul-sucking conglomerates. The banks were bailed out with our money. The best we can hope for now is to attain the lifestyle that our fake journalists live on Twitter. Pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks and a copy of the failing New York Times. How cosmopolitan. Ah, the sweet illusion of success. By the time we graduate high school, we're mostly illiterate. By the time we graduate college, we're saddled with debt. If we don't join Antifa, we end up working five days a week to enjoy two days. And the enjoyment mostly smells like fireball and is hard to remember. On Sundays, we watch our heroes on the football field and think maybe we too can make it. If we could just run fast enough, we can make millions and hear people chant our names. But we can't run fast enough. We can't really run at all because there's nowhere to run to. Our phone calls are monitored. Our movements are traced. Our faces are stored in deep state libraries. 
And if one of us steps out of line, we might just get a special visit, like our friends Andrew Breitbart and Seth Rich. To the deep state, killing is nothing. They kill unborn black babies through Planned Parenthood. And if racist Ralph Northam gets his way, they might start killing little kids too. They think there are too many of us worthless people anyway. They don't need us in their economic system, and they don't want to give us any more food. They just wish something would come along to wipe us out. That is what we are being prepared for. Just look at those zombie movies about viruses that pop out of Africa and eat our flesh unless we stand in line to get our U.N. vaccines. Look at those movies about the violent purge, movies that seem all too real when we see teenagers gunned down in their public school while the police officer who's supposed to protect them just stands outside. In response to these events, they try to steal our guns. God only knows what they'd use them for. Their hidden hand is everywhere because the system is bigger than all of them now. Jeff Bezos doesn't run Amazon. Amazon runs him. And all the way down the food chain, everyone in the system is forced to lie, down to the newscasters who pretend the migrant invaders are poor victims, while our own people scramble to find water bottles in Flint, Michigan. Everything they say is fake. This is what we call the 2D narrative. The only way to move our people forward is to break the 2D narrative, to hand out the red pill, to snap people out of the matrix and greet them on the outside. Welcome to the real world. That, my friends, is our mission. In 2012, I interviewed a man named Donald Trump. He told me at the beginning of the call, Patrick, go quick. I'm very busy, and I have much more important people than you to talk to. He ended up talking to me for half an hour. When he ran for president, I followed him around the country like a fish concert. He's the only one who tells the truth. Together, our movement has exposed the media as liars. Our movement has woken up millions of people. That's why they call it the Great Awakening. Our ranks will only grow. Theirs will always shrink. Now with Trump as president, I see the full scope of his vision. President Trump is finding the bad guys. President Trump is hunting down the criminals. Together, we are invading Babylon and knocking the pyramid down. Their house of cards is fake as the TV show and just as easy to cancel with Me Too allegations. They might have an all-seeing eye, but they're using it to look through the peephole in the girls' locker room. The American people have had enough. In 2020, our man, President Donald Trump, is up for re-election, and our country needs him to win. That's where we come in. We are the digital soldiers General Flynn spoke of. We are the last line of defense against tyranny. Together, we will break down the 2D narrative once and for all, and President Donald Trump will win the Electoral College once again. So let's get to work. Ladies and gentlemen... Okay, guys, so that was Patrick. I think he summed it up pretty well, and I'm very proud of his growth and understanding, um, you know, what's at hand. I think a lot of uh, reporters around the world are starting to understand. They're starting to see what is really going on. That's the thing, that they are starting to see. Now, I just want to tell you, you know, um, what's funny is that, you know, the left and CNN are all about shutting us down, all about telling us to stop talking, all about censorship. But here's what happens when you get what you promote. Take a listen. 
the lady in the second row. Thank you. Hi, Christina McFarlane, CNN. Um, the NBA has always been a league that prides itself on its player and its coaches being able to speak out openly about political and societal affairs. I just wonder, after the events of this week and the fallout we've seen, whether you would both feel differently about speaking out in that way in future. It's a legitimate question. This is an event that's happened this week during during the NBA. This particular question has not been answered. James. Okay, let me explain to you what happened. So this CNN reporter decides that she's going to ask NBA players about what's going on um, in Hong Kong. And, you know, they can answer political questions, current events, etc., and she was literally cut off. Sorry, you can't ask that question. What do you mean you can't? Yeah, nope, sorry, you're not going to ask that question. That question is not <laughs> allowed. And it's like, how does it feel, man? How does it feel to have your mouth taped? How does it feel to be like, but that's a legitimate question. Yeah, I don't care. I don't need to listen to you. Kind of like, it's a legitimate question. How are all these lefties so in crazy about this Green New Deal and green energy, yet all their kids sit on oil and gas boards. Question, right? That's a good question. How is it that Hillary Clinton made off with millions in Enron? Green New Deal. Epstein, who's got interests in commodities, who's got that now? You know, these are questions, but you're not allowed to ask them. Or asking Schiff, yo, how was that dinner with Daniel Jones? Did you guys, like, collude? Did you talk? Like, who's the one that talked to you, and when did you sit down? And how did the person draft the Nope, you can't ask that question. You're just going to listen. See, I'm okay with communism if that's your cup of tea. China likes communism. The Chinese that live there like it, they could leave if they don't like it, right? They can leave. Probably not be able to come back, but they can leave. It's communism, right? Uh, communism. You accept it. Me traveling there, I know it's communism. I'm okay with it. What do I have to do? Follow their rules while I'm in the country. So you follow the rules. Obviously, you know, that's the way it works. You go to Germany, you got to shut up. You got an 11-year-old that was raped by someone, you got to shut up because it's okay as long as they were Muslim. And if you go to Germany with your 11-year-old child and they get raped by a Muslim, according to German law, you have no leg to stand on and you can't complain. So again, if you go voluntarily to this country or if you're in that country, you have the choice to leave. And if you go there, make sure you know their rules, their laws, their regulations. Speaking of regulations and laws... Pretty sure Magasota is going to be talking about Sharia. We're going to have conversations about Sharia. I mean, Frey is a clown. He reminds me of the way Justin Trudeau poses, you know, with foreign leaders, like when he was trying to banger. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can't get that. Ugh. It was so weird and awkward when he was Bangladesh saying, you know, in Pakistan, like, yo, watch me, or in, and in India, trying to do the Bollywood, I mean, it's disgusting, or answering questions like, it was really wrong to do blackface, and then the kids were like, did you do your hands and your fingers? Yes, I did, and it was really wrong. Why was it really wrong? If I wanted to dress up like Aretha Franklin, obviously I can't go with the color of skin I have now, so it's racist if I actually call it, I'm just saying, let's call it like it is. If I want to go as Bob Marley, I'm going to go as a white Bob Marley, 
Charlie. Come on, man. It's like white chicks. They became from black to white. Not racist at all. But the other way around it is, come on. Seriously. It's not even racist. They've made it racist. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. No sense whatsoever. I mean, if you want to dress up like, you know, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, you know, and you're a ginger, you're going to put on a wig, aren't you? Of course. And aren't you going to put a little bit of spray tan to kind of pretend you're an Arab? Yes, but that's not racist. But if you want to dress up like a black person, it is. I mean, this is ridiculous, you guys. They're making things racist. They aren't really racist. It's all in the eye of the beholder. And if you see racism, that's because you're racist. And let's be honest. And, uh, you know, the left isn't supposedly racist, but they're causing that division. They want to break us up. They want to single us out and put us in a corner and tell us what to do, what not to do. That's the way it is, isn't it? That's the way they have us, isn't it? But here's the thing. While they distract the world with rubbish, you know, we get things done. I want us to listen to Hillary Clinton. Take a listen about racism and stuff. Often the kinds of kids that are called super predators, no conscience, no empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we have to bring them to heal. The KKK endorses Hillary Clinton. I introduce you. I want to end with her favorite quote because I love this quote. It's from Mahatma Gandhi. He ran a gas station down in uh, St. Louis for a couple of years. We have given her $20,000 anonymously for her campaign fund. That's the dragon lord thingamajiggy David something something, you know, of the KKK. She is friends You know, a lot of people don't realize that. There was just an AP article posted uh, that found how Senator Obama's uh, support among uh, working, uh, hardworking Americans, uh, white Americans, is uh, weakening again, uh, and how uh, the you know, whites in both states who had not completed college were supporting me. She's Democrat. The Klan has always been a democratic organization. What's something that you always carry with you? She carries hot sauce in her purse. Racism is how the Democrats make their world go round. It's all about keeping their slaves. It's all about keeping you stupid. It's all about you forgetting. That's basically how it goes. I mean, people need to remember these things. People need to understand these things. Now, um, yesterday, uh, Trump genocide was trending. We're going to talk about that. Um, another thing that was trending was about MSNBC and their employees, you know, uh, getting, um, information off of a DIA employee that was a national security issue. Now I want people to pay attention. Listen, first of all, this idiot that was arrested went to the Canadian war college. That explains everything you need to know. Second, if you're working within the Pentagon as a DIA employee, first of all, as a contractor, and then you go into there, the one thing you have to do is make sure that you don't That you don't allow people to penetrate your personal bubble. So one thing that people think of when they think of spies, when they think of um, 
people that extract information, they think of someone super hot, you know, like in the latex or, you know, like Kill Bill outfit, Catwoman that comes, that seduces the dude and gets the information. It's BS. They're not pretty. They're not ugly. They're just like in the middle. Can't make them true. Now, this chick was not good looking at all. Um, fair enough. The guy was a loser. He handed over information because he thought his, his girlfriend would get better, uh, or move up on uh, the food chain in MSNBC. I can tell you for a fact. I am going to say this again and again, and whoever's listening that should be listening, because I know a lot of you down in Arlington and whatever, and those other little places scattered around America, listen to me, just to make sure that I'm in line and I don't step out, which is fair. Um, you need to see where Macias, uh, the girl, was actually trained and who she worked with, because this is something that we need to be paying attention. Uh, Cuba was part of this um, seventh floor conglomerate for MSNBC. This is a very big deal. It is a very big deal when we have idiots that work for us, young kids that work for us, that enter into the intelligence community and aren't clued up. You know what you need to do? Send them blindfold and drop them somewhere on the planet and make themselves... Uh, useful and try to find their way home so they can understand with no dollar in their pocket what a struggle really is and what trust really means because that is the problem we are now filling up our intelligence community with people that have gotten on that yellow bus right that have been indoctrinated by the public school system that they can be victims and it is okay to be a victim actually they promote victimization and we have these people sitting in the most important parts of our government structure. Now, me, I can be in debt two, three million dollars. There is no way in any case that I would ever, 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 ever betray my country. Why? Because I understand what it means to be free. I understand what it means to work hard for it. I understand how the system works. What works in a government? And you would say, well, yeah, you're 40 now, but you don't get hired at 40. Well, maybe we need to change that. Maybe we need to get real square people. Maybe we need to fill it up like that because we can't take these young people. We can't take them unseasoned, unsalted, and not ready for the world. It's like a cast iron pan. If you don't season it, your meat's going to taste like crap. And this is exactly what we have. Idiots like reality winner. Idiots like this feckless dude that was just handing out information about North Korea. This is why we have a problem. Here's what the uh, intelligence community should do, and I promote it. Fill it up with people that are 40 and over. Fill it up with people that have either worked with you or not worked with you. Pick someone. I can pick a bunch of people that I'm following that I would be like, yo, that person would be a-okay to go pick someone. It doesn't matter if they've had a misdemeanor or a felony. Where do they stand? How strong 
are their convictions. You already know artificial intelligence and all these algorithms where they follow people already know. So why don't you just pluck them and recruit them? I mean, that's what they used to do, right? They used to recruit you. I was recruited. People used to recruit. We don't recruit anymore. We just let them come to us. That's not how it should be. We should be reinforcing our intelligence community with people that we can read that are, I wouldn't say predictable, but for people that you know will never betray their position and their country. And they may flap a bit. Like Alex Jones, I would totally trust. I would totally trust he wouldn't say anything, though I would totally say straight away, like if I was on the floor with, with Alex Jones and we were working on something, I'm just saying, this is just, I'm just saying, he would probably be the first one to sit at the water cooler and bitch and bitch and bitch because he doesn't like something and he always wants to find a new angle. There's always that one guy. That would be Alex, but I would trust him that he would do the digging, do the digging, and he would be that person that takes it to that level. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that our intelligence community should be all filled with Alex Jones. We need a lot of diverse people, a lot of people that have different uh walks of life, different ideas, different perspectives, but have one thing in common. And that is love of what this country stands for that cannot be shifted. I could have $3 million in debt and I can have a country come to me and say, I'll give you all of this and you could be sipping Mai Tais in Hawaii. And guess what I will say? Yeah, I'd prefer my debt. Thanks. I'll see you all in just a bit so we can kind of delve into Southern District of New York. guys it seems like i got some dead air and i was talking to myself all right so where are we going to go with this um you know this issue that we have in regards to how they're moving along how they're trying to misconstrue things because what we need to look at is these two businessmen i'm going to play this quick clip this is coming from fox wait a minute didn't i say last year disney fox mergers murdoch rupert murdoch epstein be careful because you can't trust? We'll take a listen. New details coming in involving court action on the Ukraine controversy. Two foreign-born men. You will see them on the right-hand side of your screen. The two men on the screen, on screen right, helped Rudy Giuliani investigate Joe Biden. They are now under arrest. They are facing criminal charges of violating campaign finance rules. We are just learning all this. Catherine Harridge is live in Washington with the latest details. Catherine? Well, thank you, Sandra. In the last few minutes, this indictment was just unsealed. There are four men who are indicted on these campaign finance violations, including Lev Parnas and Igor Fuman, who helped Rudy Giuliani, his personal attorney, the president's personal attorney, to investigate corruption allegations against former Vice President Joe Biden and his son. This indictment alleges the men engaged in a scheme to conceal the source or exceed the limit on political contributions. Okay, I'm going to stop you just right there for a second in listening to this before they continue. Because here's the thing. It's coming out of the Southern District of New York. I already told you about CrowdStrike and their contract. Also, they're talking about what they're doing. You have to remember that corrupt, evil people are creatures of comfort. They're creatures of repetition, okay? And they like to do things that they know work. 
and they will always blame you for something that they do. So, for example, if your wife is a cheater, she's going to say that you're the cheater. If your wife is, you know, um, you know, someone that is, um, uh, let's see, uh, say you're sitting down and having a conversation with your, with your guy friend or girlfriend, right? And you guys are talking and your guy friend's like, you're just this, you're a bully, you're this. And you're like, what, what did I say? I just asked if you want sugar and they start going off. It's because that is what they do to you. So they, they, it's, it's deflection, right? We, you, you get what I'm saying? So what they're saying, and I'm going to parse this down because they make it sound so incredible. And we're talking about a total of a whopping, you know, $10,000. But they're alleging that all these donations, that these two businessmen in Florida that have companies, that have money, supposedly didn't donate themselves. They were donating on behalf of somebody else. And so this $10,000 donation that one of them made uh, it wasn't theirs. It was Russian money. And it's like, okay, how do you know that? Did you mark the bill? Did the bank, when it wired, have like a Russian flag on it? Uh, did it come out of a Russian bank account? Are you saying that, you know, this money you just know is Russian? I mean, how do you know this? This is what they're saying. This is what they're saying. And I'm going to tell you this. What about the money that they raised in Mexico? The DNC raised money in Mexico. Who's investigating the money they raised in Mexico? The $10 million that they raised in Mexico, which so happens they get a $10 million line of credit from Amalgamated Bank. Who is looking into that? They're yapping, 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 but no one's looking on their end. So here's the deal. We've got people asleep at the wheel. I really wish it sometimes that I was a U.S. attorney. Damn, would I be busy right now. I would be out there investigating every single... I would be issuing colonoscopy subpoenas everywhere, not fake subpoenas like what, you know, the House Democrats are doing, because those aren't subpoenas. Those are, hey, we want you to comply. Those are demand letters. It's like me. I demand you do this. Yeah, I demand you can put that where the sun don't shine because it has no legal standing. Uh, there is no impeachment. Uh, this has to go through the judiciary. This is BS. So unless you start it, I don't have to do it. Here we have the S- Southern District of New York. Just as the AG of New York promised, giving a colonoscopy to every single person. So we've got these two businessmen who make money, who like money, right? They're rich, they're smart, they're busy, and they're like, yo, let's cash in on this marijuana business. We can open up dispensaries and make money. Let's get investors. Let's do this. So apparently, listen to this, the, they, they work with people that have a Russian background, so who cares? What if they were Colombian? What if they were English? What if they were French? No big deal. But because they're Russian, it's a big deal. So now there's Russian racism. Let's just get this straight. So they're all <laughs> sitting there discussing. They're like, all right, I'm in a million dollars. Let's get these dispensaries in Nevada and other, you know, places going. Let's file for licenses. Let's do this, right? That's how you do business. You sit, you have a couple drinks, you have a meal and you squash it, right? And you put everything out and you're done. So apparently, Foreign National, which is a foreign investor, which happens all the time, because we could start talking about Adam Schiff investing $15 million on Zeppelins, you know, that don't exist, and suddenly buying houses. Where's this $15 million going to in the Ukraine, Schiff? But anyway, this guy's a foreign national, of course. This is business, so nobody cares, right? And they start... You know, they start exchanging money. 
So <laughs> here's the kicker, okay? This is where it's funny. They sent um, these people. They went to a campaign rally uh, for some political candidate in Nevada, unidentified. And then they also attended a different Nevada state politician thing you know, event, and they sent their Russian money, man, so their investor, like, you know, Chinese investors, British investors, Australian investors, so this guy happens to be Russian, uh, a selfie, right, uh, a selfie, like, yo, we're talking to these people in Nevada State, we might actually get the license, what's up, we'll make some buku dollars opening up a dispensary, damn, if I had their money, I would be cashing in on that too, and you know what, I'd have a munchie cart right in the middle too. Anyway, so here it is. They're taking a selfie, and then they're like, after the event, that the American donated $10,000 to one of the candidates and says, it was actually Russian money. And it's like, wait, hold on a second. What? Um, so what you're saying is he donated out of a million dollars. <laughs> he gave $10,000. So Fruman, who's a businessman who makes money, right, can't have $10,000 in his pocket. No, no, no. It's Russian because the bank put a flag on it. This is just how ridiculous it is. Now, they were planning to do this marijuana business. It fell through. They couldn't get the, um, they didn't apply in time for the recreational marijuana license back in 2018. So they lost it. Uh, they were two months too late, uh, you know, and the rules weren't going to be changing. They probably tried to schmooze their way in. Anybody would do that. I could tell you a lot of people that dropped some heavy coin here in North Dakota to get, you know, bar licenses, restaurant licenses, maybe better clean up around their house, you know, or maybe, uh, some, <laughs> there was this one guy that tried to cash in on favors with the North Dakota attorney general and the tax guy who has an aircraft. And he was like, yo, I'm not paying taxes on this aircraft. <laughs> I, I kid you not. I kid you not guys. So I find out about this and I'm like, wait a minute, who is this dude that doesn't have to pay taxes on his aircraft, but everybody else has. So I email the tax commissioner. I email the North Dakota aeronautics thing. I email the attorney general. I'm like, yo, what's up? So what's so special about this guy not paying taxes on an aircraft vehicle? I can tell you something. They already started shredding things. They already started, and the guy just in the end paid for his taxes because see, this happens every day. Nobody looks. Right. This is ten thousand dollars to a campaign. They were hoping that that would kind of sweeten the pot, make the parlay a little bit easier. It didn't work out. This isn't Russian collusion. <laughs> this is just how far the stretch is. This is how desperate they are to find something. So anyway, they're saying that these two businessmen, Parnas and Fruman, are charged with falsification of records and false statements to the FEC. Because they're all conspiring. <laughs> Check this out. Because Parnas and Fruman have a very small history of political involvement, but suddenly emerged in a circle of Trump donors after Parnas gave 50000 support to support Trump's election. Stop. There was a lot of people that, uh, guys, I never donated to a campaign ever until Trump came along. Like how many people did that? So this means because you didn't, uh, invest in other clowns and all these corrupt idiots that you just came out of nowhere and this is quid pro quo. This is Russia collusion. This is giving 50,000 to Trump's election in 2016. You're corrupt because you decided to invest in him. Are you kidding? 
This is a, this, who wrote this? I want an, I want that U.S. attorney hung and strung by his toes. This is a perversion of justice. Anybody listening to, I mean, guys, listen to what Fox says. I, this woman, I don't remember her name. She has the short hair and definitely needs upper lip fillers. She's a smoker for sure. She has smoker lines. And as a smoker, I pay very good attention to it. But, you know, I've been well endowed with genetics being Greek and stuff. But this woman is evil. Just listen to how she says it. The indictment states, quote, the defendants made additional contributions to federal candidates, joint fundraising committees, and independent expenditure committees that either, one, were intentionally funneled through and made in the name of a limited liability corporation to conceal that Parnas and Fruman were the true source of the contributions and skirt the federal reporting limits, or two, were reported in Parnas's name but were funded by Fruman, which allowed Fruman to exceed limits. Separately, law enforcement sources are telling Fox News that they expect part. So they're saying, let's let's do this. Let's pretend me and my friend Mike are donating. And so this year I donate, say the maximum is $1,000. I give $1,000, right? And I can't donate anymore. And Mike only donated like $2. And I'm like, yo, Mike, here's $998. Donate it for me. So that's what they're claiming he did. That's going to be really hard to prove because they were business partners. Okay, so that's such a stretch. Such a stretch. Super stretch. Like beyond stretch, stretch, right? This is just how ridiculous it is. Take a listen to what else she says. Parnas and Fruman, pardon me, were arrested at Dulles Airport on Wednesday night, and they expect them at their first court appearance, pardon me, uh, in Virginia. I just want to go to my notes here because I've just gotten off the phone with Rudy uh, Giuliani, who has confirmed to me that he represents the two men uh, in a separate matter, but he did tell me that he found the timing of the unsealing of this indictment, quote, extremely suspect and that there are other pertinent facts that he will soon be able to reveal how he believes this event is connected to his ongoing investigations uh, in Ukraine. He said he hopes to reveal that uh, very shortly, Sandra. Yes, exactly. That is so true. And uh, Rudy Giuliani is uh, their lawyer and other things. But listen to this. So according to the indictment, um, you know, uh, the prosecutors say that Parnas and Fruman began scheming in March 2018 to advance their personal financial interests and political interests with at least one Ukrainian government official with whom they were working. To advance that scheme, they made $325,000 contribution to an independent expenditure committee and a donation of $15,000 to the second committee, according to the indictment. Now, what committee did they give it to? Who did they give it to where they have political interest with the Ukraine? So are we talking, uh, what, how, how is this connected? This makes no sense. So now they're saying Parnas made his, so this is totally random. Okay. So this is so far, it's funneling money into the Trump campaign. Now they're talking about Ukrainians and it's like, okay, what's going on here? So now they jump back on the indictment. Parnas made his first large political contribution in 2016 where he gave 50000 to Trump victory. Okay, so he came out of nowhere, right, and he just donated this, right? And so it's suspect because someone decided, yo, we finally got a man that's running to fix this country. It's suspect if people <laughs> are donating money. 
It says that the Trump victory is a joint fundraising committee for the RNC and the Trump campaign and GOP state parties, according to finance, blah, blah, blah. Now, Parnas told the Washington Post that he decided to get involved politically because he was passionate supporter of Trump's candidacy after growing up in New York and selling Trump condos in the city when Trump's late father, Fred Trump, was still running the Trump board. So this guy is like me. He knew Trump before president. He liked Trump before he was president. He knows what he stands for. He understands I'm like me, I didn't sell condos. I didn't work with the Trump administration. I just happen to cross paths with this man and share a few minutes on the fly from a very young age. And when you interact with someone, uh, you know, personally, like face to face in different situations, under different stressors, under different in a different environment, at a different age, you know, you see this person for who they are. That's how you recognize what type of person they are. So I'm more power to him, and I'm there with him. That's why I would get politically active. But apparently, donating to President Trump's campaign is now questionable. Are you getting this? This is where I'm getting at with this, that they are questioning, why are you donating to Trump's campaign? Well, well, mind your business. Why are you donating to Hillary? She's a murderer. She's an extortionist. She's stolen money. She sold uranium. She probably eats kids. She probably rapes them too. She smells like cabbage. She doesn't care. She stole the White House China. She loves war. Why are you voting for, I just answer the question. You've never donated before. Why? Because I like Trump. Period. But apparently, according to this indictment, that is a crime. Now, they also go to say that in May 2018, about six months before the men began working with Giuliani on his Biden investigation. So apparently they're working with Giuliani on the Biden investigation. Listen, a Florida business established by Parnas received 1.26 million wire transfer from an account whose owner is represented by a real estate lawyer who specializes in assisting foreign buyers of U.S. property, according to the court documents and corporate filings below. Now, so they have a business, and they've been in real estate, and apparently they got a wire transfer from a real estate lawyer because some dude from another country purchased the house. Stop everything. That million-dollar cash pad thing that you see on HGTV where that really cocky, not-good-looking, loudmouth guy is selling houses in California and Hollywood Hills, whatever. He gets wire transfers like this all the time from real estate lawyers. So these two real estate guys that have their own business decided to start selling houses. And so they sell a house, right, to buy a U.S. property for $1.26 million, That's how much they got. And because two days later, America First, the main pro-Trump super PAC, reported receiving $325,000 from a company that Parnas and Fruman had incorporated the previous month called Global Energy Producers. It means that that $1.26 million, that was for the purchase of a property, suddenly parts of that went to the, 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 the pro-Trump PAC. Now, Parnas and, and Fruman have a lot of companies. Now, I'm going to tell you why they did this. This is rubbish. This has no leg to stand on. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Like, this is really a stretch and desperate. Okay? They're desperate. Now, Parnas himself told the Miami Herald last week that the money for the super PAC was from proceeds, listen to this, from the sale of a Miami-area condominium. Kelly Sadler, the spokesperson for the Super PAC, 
said, you know, this is ongoing. I'm not going to talk about it. They made money. They decided with that money that they made from selling a house that they're going to donate to their dude, right, to their dude that they love, that they've been working with the Trump organization forever, so they're like super Trumpers, right? So they made money, and they dropped it, and suddenly it's Russian. It's not. It was a purchase of a house. But here's what is happening, and you need to pay attention carefully. It is about the timing. Because right now, under seal, they were trying to get anything. They wiretapped again because it's a foreign purchaser. Even though it was straight above the board, they have nothing to worry about, right? And Giuliani is their attorney in other matters, so he obviously knows what these guys are up to, okay? And they're not stupid. They're not going to burn their friend. So this is what happened. They issued this. I can guarantee you that this stuff went from zero to 100 within the last three weeks. No if and or buts. It's right there in front of us. And they're going, then they went retroactively to pick and prod $10,000. So you get a million and you give 10 in your name because you have, you know, over $10,000 in your pocket, let alone in your bank. Suddenly you're a criminal. Suddenly because you, you know, you donate to the Trump campaign. That's questionable. Suddenly you make a huge cut. Right. That could be your commission, the one point two six from the condos. Or it could have been, you know, um, the the three twenty five could have been the straight out commission, whatever. Because if I if I get paid, for example, on my bid, when I put out for a project that I'm doing, if I get paid two thousand dollars, you know, because that's how much work I put. But they offer me they take my first attempt at three thousand. That means I got an extra thousand. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should give five hundred to President Trump. Maybe he'll invite me for dinner and fly me to wherever he is. Right. You know, those emails that we get. I'm always thinking about it. I'm like, you know, when I have a little bit of extra cushion, I'm just going to drop it and make it like a little bit sizable so I can gain attention. And hopefully they'll invite me for dinner, you know, um, and fly me out there because I because <laughs> I. Obviously, I'll be making the donation. I hope they pay for the flights. So this is what this guy did. He made money. He had a bit of extra money, did a sale, gave money, and now it's criminal to donate to a pack of President Trump. Here's the deal. These guys also meddle in commodities. And if people don't know this, they should learn this, that foreigners like Saudi Arabians, uh, Ukrainians, Russians, oligarchs in general, they like property. They like strong investments. So they like to buy stuff. So here's the deal. It's probably they have clients that are Ukrainian and they're hoping. Remember how I told you that Durham, yeah, he's looking into the investigation of how it started. But, you know, if you find another crime, you got to follow that lead and it goes to the next level and the next level. Remember, I talked about this months ago. Here's the same thing. During this criminal investigation, right, they're able to go another level, another level. They get to subpoena because now they have to subpoena. Give me your friend. And then that friend might be connected with that friend and that friend might be connected with someone else. So, whoa, then they can just start working back to cover their tracks in the Ukraine. This is all about finding out what the U.S. government has on them. What the U.S. government has on Schiff, what the U.S. government has on Mitt, what the U.S. government has on Joe Biden, what the U.S. government has on all of them. This is why it came up now. Because if you listen to the allegations, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is so rubbish. And apparently because 
uh, Parnas and Fruman had helped set up a Skype call for Giuliani in late 2018 because I told you the Biden investigation happened before he announced he was a candidate. So it's not trying to get dirt on your candidate if they're not a candidate, right? Fair enough, correct? Anyway, so they set up the call with Viktor Shokin, who was Ukraine's prosecutor general from 2015 to 2016. You know, the guy that Biden wanted fired to get fired. And the reason Parnas and Fruman know is because of the real estate transactions they did and having interacted with him when they did real estate transactions. So when you're in global real estate, you make friends, you collect business cards. Victor Shokin was obviously put together with him through them because they knew each other. That's their lawyer. And they're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I could put you as kind of like me. Uh, you know, for example, I went to my daughter's like parent teacher conference. She's like, yeah, you know, for facts, which is like teaching kids how to cook. So and stuff. I was like, so are you guys cooking? Yeah, we're going to do like apples and stuff. Um, but I haven't gotten any apples done. I was like, you know what? I know this professor at this university that has a lot of apple growth. I'll text her and find out. I could do that for you. Is that quid pro quo? Is my kid going to get a better grade? Because I donate delicious golden apples, uh, to, uh, the school for them to learn how to cook? No. But, you know, if it was the other way around and it was Trump, probably if I donated apples to Trump, it would probably be quid pro quo. This is just how insane this is, you guys. This is just how far-fetched and desperate they are. They are trying to find out what we have. They are trying to find out what goods we have on them, what we know about them, how we're going to get at them, and they are terrified. That should tell you everything you need to know. This criminal indictment is BS. It's a far-fetched stretch for people that have deep pockets, for have for having money. Because if you read it, it's got like three different things. It looks like an article I wrote because when I write, it's atrocious. I have to go through it 20 million times. I have to have an editor go through it once. And then when I go in there, I have to do it again because – you know, I write like I talk. Yes, I dictate. Somebody uh, emailed me yesterday. And, yeah, you dictate. I do dictate. Um, but I try to put it in a flow format. But I also like to drop Easter eggs. See, sometimes spotlighting too much is a problem. So sometimes dropping some information in something else, kind of like I was talking about Amalgamated Bank, but I also told you how they're funding this you know, civil unrest protests, the one where they're training with Antifa and they're dangerous. I told you about it. Now everybody's talking about it. You know, they need to catch up with the real news because this news has been out. It's out there, but nobody reports it because it's all fake news. We're all starting to understand just how these people work. This indictment tells you everything you need to know of just how far they're willing to try to make a connection when there is no connection. It's like, you know, saying, oh, yeah, we're related. We're like 10th cousins. That's how far this connection is. And they will do it because they are desperate because they know they're going down and they have people to answer. Who are they? Who are they? That Pelosi, Schiff, and the rest of the clowns answer to. That is the important question. I'll see you guys just uh, after this break. Real news. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, as always, live 12 to 2, Monday through Friday, 
only on Red State Talk Radio. Uh, I want to thank my listeners, uh, you know, DMing me, texting me, emailing me. Uh, someone sent me a message saying uh, that the person sounds like uh, it's um, Catherine Herridge. Yep, it is. Senior Fox News. So corrupt. All of them so corrupt. So corrupt. So such sellouts. Sellouts to the American people. Sellouts to the people that have invested time and uh, viewership, which pays their salaries. It's over. Now, Sarah Carter so nicely put out the illegal campaign contribution scandal, how at the end of this month, a guy went to prison for giving $80,000 in a foreign contribution to Barack Hussein Obama. Remember, Barack Hussein Obama, after he became president, he was found to have committed FEC violation where he paid millions about it, but nobody talked about it. Nobody said a word. And guess what? The money came from the prime minister of Albania. <laughs> the Balkans. <laughs> the new Muslim frontier that is entering Europe. The jihadist Muslim frontier. I have to make that distinction because not all Muslims are radicals. Not all Muslims are insane. Okay, let's make that clear. So the radical jihadis are there. And Barack Hussein Obama helped Turkey establish another Fido school there. Uh, that'll be a uh, topic of discussion next week because I'm hoping that uh, the United States of America has U.S. attorneys that are looking into that, right, Durham? And how money goes through, right? That's the way it has to be. So it's important for people to know just what is at stake here. And we're going to talk about, I want to first talk about immigration. I want to talk about our southern border because today we had the acting um, ICE director um, talk about immigration, about our border. And I want you to listen to a few things because this is actually going to set it up perfectly for us to get into Syria. Because what we've seen with the weaponization, weaponization of people happens all the time. I played a clip for you where news agencies overseas, when Pompeo was out in Greece, said Turkey has weaponized migrants before, where they unleashed the Kraken and dropped 30,000 people on your shores, because that helps collapse infrastructure. And I've been saying this wall is necessary because these caravans that the Democrats are funding are for that purpose only, to collapse our infrastructure. They don't care if they're criminals. See, because you're a criminal, I'm a criminal to them. To them, I'm not bowing down and kissing their feet. I'm a criminal. So they're like, let's just bring them all in and then we'll wipe them all out. We've got tons and tons and tons and tons of what did Barack Hussein Obama buy? Oh, yeah, that's right. He bought a lot of coffins. Remember that? Huge, massive purchase of millions of coffins. In 2015 and 2014. Pretty insane, isn't it? And the government purchased huge quantities of long shelf life food. What are they preparing? What were they preparing the Hillary administration for? Project Geld, we got so much. So let's take a listen to what he has to say. That other law enforcement agencies must meet in order to make an arrest. The reality is we live in an electronic age 
where information is increasingly digitized and evidence used to support a finding of probable cause will likely stem from databases to include those that contain biometric data and other similar data sources. Despite this reality, a judge in California has opined that immigration officers cannot develop probable cause to believe that an individual may be removable based on certain database checks alone. This conclusion is out of step with the realities of modern law enforcement, endangers the public, and construes probable cause in an unfairly restrictive way. Moreover, this decision, issued by a single judge in Los Angeles, will impact at least 43 states, threatening communities far beyond the one in which this judge sits. While I wish I could say this is an isolated occurrence, it is but the latest example of judicial overreach targeting immigration enforcement and the application of laws already passed by Congress, often decades ago. Time and again, DHS has been prevented from exercising the authority granted to it by Congress because of the decisions of unelected judges who substitute their judgment for that of our legislators or the government officials entrusted with enforcing our laws. We need people to understand the laws we enforce were not written by ICE. We did not grant ourselves the power to enforce them. Our authorities come from the United States Congress, from the laws they draft, debate, pass, and send to the president for signature. Accordingly, these decisions are not just an attack on DHS and the executive branch, but an attack on the ability of Congress to carry out its most basic function of passing laws for the protection and general welfare of our country. Our commitment is to strengthen national security and uphold public safety, which we accomplish by enforcing the law as it, been, as it, as it has been enacted with the utmost professionalism, despite challenges faced by no other law enforcement agency in this country. I want to say something. So first of all, PBS is playing other clips in the background. They suck in regards to sound. But as you can see, he's expressing to you his concerns um, in regards to our safety and what's going on at the border and what he can do. So I'm going to take you to a few specific questions that were answered that will summarize what we will be, uh, you know, what what I believe we want to know about. Um, and as in we, it's me and you. So I'm just going to fast forward to that area where they ask him those questions. Here we go. Just come out. We abide by those judicial rulings. If those judicial rulings are overturned, then we abide by that. We don't get the, the ability, nor should we have the ability to pick and choose what laws that we should, should force. Ma'am. Here we go. Ma'am, You said that with the lack of cooperation, you're always adapting. You're looking at ways of adapting. What are you currently doing? There's been talk of DNA sampling, facial recognition. Can you just explain that a little bit better? So we're utilizing DNA sampling right now in the, in the border environment, trying to ferret out the false families. As I mentioned earlier, many of the individuals that are coming here to this country are not legitimate families. So the family units, they're, they're utilizing the loopholes in the Flores Settlement Agreement um, to come here as a family, which, which has led to significant numbers of children being recycled and victimized for the sole purpose of unrelated adults posing as a family unit with those children. That's what the DNA sampling is, goes after. We're hitting about a 15% rate of individuals or families presenting as families that really aren't families. Um, and we're prosecuting those cases. We've got a great support from the U.S. Attorney's Office along the southwest border. But we've processed more, or excuse me, prosecuted more than a thousand cases along the southwest border dealing with frozen families or imposters. We've also seen instances in which uh, unaccompanied children or adults are posing as unaccompanied children. 18. 18- 
Wait a minute. Okay, so did you hear that? So not only do they have fake families, but we have adults that are pretending to be children. Kind of like Ilhan Omar when she came through the border. Kind of how the UN uh, fixed all of these Kenyans coming in here. And, you know, there's a report that went out just a couple days ago, but we talked about this months and months ago, how the UN was getting paid to bring certain people to this country and certain people to other countries, namely Ilhan Omar's family is one of them because, uh, you know, I'm really working hard on this article because I was getting some more stuff on Morocco, you guys, um, you know, with Ilhan Omar there. But, man, the stuff that's coming out, like Miss Elmi, you know, has relations with um, our government, from we're talking 90s man this her family line goes far and wide and i told you that her dad is a war criminal the one posing as her father posing as her father is a war criminal no one no one you know what it's it's like it's like deaf ears i know my listeners listen but the reporters that have that megaphone you know because they're you know supposedly credible are the most non-credible there is they won't talk about it i mean you know i talked about things that now people are saying and it's like but but you knew about this weeks ago i sent it to you now you're tweeting about it come on man you're a loser you only go with what the democrats tell you to go what the deep state tells you to go and i'm there is no news station you can trust honestly i mean a lot of people is like oh and The smartest thing that they do is put in people that align with your ideologies. And that's the problem with people. That you try to find someone that satisfies every single aspect of what you want to hear. So like, for example, Cernovich, I love him. Can't stand half of the stuff he says, but I love him. Why? Because I know that he's real to himself. He's not trying to please you. He's telling you his truth. He's telling you his perspective. When I see someone pretending to say their truth and pretending to give you their perspective, but it's actually a more red-pilled version of what the Democrats are saying, yeah, I tune out. That's the way it goes. So we really need to be careful who we follow. And I, and I say that with utmost respect for your ability to judge what is correct and what isn't. But what we have to start doing is looking in between the lines. Now, I want to play another clip from this um, this uh, presser. You know, one is about ISIS, and we're going to revisit what I said yesterday. Take a listen. This is this is a really good question, actually, by the reporter. Uh, so it's pretty good. Here we go. Across the border, the need to prevent that. Um, given what we're seeing in Syria right now, given that there are reports that ISIS fighters are being released as we speak, um, how concerned are you about that? What are you doing to make sure that they don't, in fact, cross over if they were to make their way here? And are you in touch with any counterparts abroad about that? So we have an extensive, extensive attache network within our Homeland Security investigations. Uh, we have visa security posts in over 35 locations throughout the world. We continue to expand those programs as Congress gives us funding with which to do so. Um, ICE is the second largest participant in the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force. Uh, we do a significant amount of investigations um, involving individuals that 
are suspected of or believe look this agency in fact this entire department was formed after 9-11 our primary mission is national security and go that goes along with public safety sir yes. okay so remember yesterday when i was telling you about pompeo and columbia right remember how i told you isis would get fake passports coming in from south america right so now that we run the risk of these ISIS detainees to be released, you know, to cause havoc in northern Syria so Turkey can slaughter the Kurds easier and take over the land that they want, you know, oil and stuff, you know, stuff that I told you about months ago that people are now telling you it's, whoa, it's news. And it's like you're really late to the party because, again, look at what they're telling you now, which means – Two things. Either they have no idea what they're talking about and it's news to them, or two, they're waiting for the go-ahead from the deep state for the counter. Okay? This is what you need to remember. No one is going to sit there and tell you the news when it's stale. Right? Why would you be tweeting about, oh, do, do they have an interest in oil and gas in Syria? I didn't know that about Turkey. Either you're that dumb and pretend to know, you know, what is really going on, or you were just waiting to clap back for the left to make it look like there's two sides. Now, what I told you yesterday was, here it is, Pompeo closed the last frontier. Remember, I told you the frontier in Greece and the Balkans that we reinforce is to stop it from spreading to the West. This will help us maintain and hold the line so when Turkey comes in from the North, you know, it stays nice and tidy. Also, we need to be able to do what? Make sure that the Turks don't release the Kraken and release all these refugees that they're holding and they threaten Europe with. They're like, oh, Europe, you want to play with the U.S.? You won't let us slaughter Kurds. All right, I'm going to release all these people into the European Union. You deal with all of them. This blackmail, okay? So what did they ask? Hey, all these ISIS people, are you worried? No, we're not worried. We've got places everywhere. Homeland Security right now is on the northern border, uh, you know, of Greece and Turkey, regulating. Colombia is holding the fort for all those fake passports and all these foreigners that are going to be flying into countries like Venezuela or wherever and then walking through to try to get through the Colombian border, go through Panama, Honduras, Ecuador, and get to the Mexican border, just like those West African migrants. Remember how we found a bunch of prayer rugs in New Mexico. They just all happen up here because Mexicans are Muslims. Like, seriously? So, This is important. We've already covered ourselves, and it went real quick. So the question you have to ask yourself is, if it was so meticulously planned, which it was, because we saw that we delivered weapons in April, we saw that we declined to go to Turkey in July, we saw that it all ramped up on July 8th. Everything started to, it it was like you were throwing fuel on a raging fire with Turkey, and it was go, go. Go. Now it's like really quick. It's like Pompeo, boom, sign, boom, sign, boom, sign. Let's get it done, finished. And now, all right, let's do this. Why are we ramping it up? Because the European Union has decided to create this synthetic homogenous currency. Russia has lost its patience completely and now is moving over to gold saying, listen, man, we need to move this because they're going to destroy humanity as it is. And Russia comes first. My job is my country. I want a statue made of bronze out of me because I let them stand tall and not become slaves like the rest of Europe. 
this is what Putin says, and that's what he wants. <laughs> I mean, what leader doesn't want to be remembered as, you know, to have a legacy other than a turd that Obama left? Everybody does. Everybody does. So here's where we're at, guys. We've reinforced our borders. We've got the Department of Homeland Security everywhere right now. And it's not just those paid caravans, because that is exactly what the Democrats, this is an act of war. When I told you that the Democrats are funding these caravans, it's an act of war. They wanted to keep their honey train coming in, which is weapons, arms, child, human trafficking, drugs, which all cause harm to society. But the point of these caravans was to collapse our infrastructure, to set a fire on our border so the president focuses there and loses sight everywhere else. They underestimated him. They underestimated you. They underestimated me because we've got eyes with great peripheral vision, don't we, guys? We can pay attention. This was an act of war, just like what Turkey does, which is what? releases the immigrants. Now, on that final note, before we get into, like, Syria, Syria, I just wanted to say that we've had a lot of deportations happening, and, you know, it's up to the Democrats funding this, so that way we can get it done. I just wanted to to, to make that known. In addition, I also wanted to point out that the media, for some reason, has decided to take a role of jury, judge, jury, and executioner, which, by the way, I saw that sign on a teacher's desk when I went to my daughter's um, open school thing. And so her teacher that teaches history total snowflake by the way um and obviously has no clue who who her student is she had that on her desk and i was thinking that is the worst message to send telling children that they must abide by authority first of all now we have the media taking that role andrew kaczynski actually tried to get Pendley, William Perry Pendley from the Interior Department Bureau of Land Management, uh, for, uh, for heresy, for, heresy, um, because he, you know, kind of went away from the leftist narrative. So this guy, right, uh, said things about global warming, uh, that Kaczynski didn't like. Uh, you know, including, you know, the fact that, uh, Kaczynski's saying how, you know, <laughs> water levels are gonna go so high, but Obama, Zuckerberg, you know, Twitter, Google executives all buy beachfront properties because they want to invest money in places that will go underwater, right? Uh, okay, sure. Anyway, what he tried to do was get this official from the Interior Department fired for opposing jihad mass murder. Are you listening? For opposing jihad mass murder. So remember when the media wanted to ban baby it's cold outside guys when it's Christmas? I'm telling you, well, starting November 1st for me, it's Christmas time, okay? I'm going to be playing that <laughs> as part of my intro music. I'm just telling you, I love Christmas and... um we will be hearing baby it's cold outside. Anyway, they have started to take this position of telling us what to think, how to think and when to think. And now they are taking it to our officials. Now, William Penley, 
apparently said that he has repeatedly pushed hardline anti-Muslim views, including citing an article by anti-Muslim activist Robert Spencer, because he says he's anti-Muslim, in a two, in a 2018 tweet to claim that Islam was at war with America. That's not a lie. That's a tr- that's the truth. And I'm really hoping that President Trump talks to that today while he's in Minneapolis. It's really, really important. And I'm pretty sure that he's going to be referring to Ilhan Omar. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to say, um, uh, along with that article that's going to be coming out, I'm just trying to tidy it up and add a few more things because she was just in Morocco. Um, I just wanted to say that you know, her signing the document apparently uh, doesn't mean that she can get away with perjury. But the rush could have been because she wanted to do it first. I, I This is just something that's beneficial, I guess, when they do it. So I thought I would um, state that. Now, I want us to listen to this message from Laura Loomer before we break. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. I was born in Tucson, Arizona, but I have always considered South Florida my home. That's why I chose to attend college in Miami, where I studied broadcast journalism and political science and graduated at the top of my class. From there, I joined Project Veritas as an investigative journalist working undercover in the Hillary Clinton campaign, where I exposed voter fraud and corruption nationwide. When I left Project Veritas, I created my own media company as an independent journalist, and I traveled the world, confronting politicians, holding elected officials accountable, exposing corruption, and breaking news. My viral videos and in-your-face style of journalism quickly brought me international notoriety, and I generated an online following of millions of people on multiple social media platforms. In fact, my style became its own verb. Politicians and public figures confronted by journalists are now said to be loomered. My journalism success and notoriety came without the backing of mainstream media and or the political elite. So, naturally, the big tech social media companies, all of them which are run by far-left Democrats, made it their mission to shut me down and censor my voice. For simply being a voice of the silent majority, and mostly for being a loyal Trump supporter, I was banned on every single social media platform. Fighting censorship is just one of the many reasons I'm running for Congress. Visit my campaign website, lauralumerforcongress.com, where you can learn more about my platform, volunteer, and donate to my campaign. I'm really looking forward to seeing all of you on the campaign trail and representing you in Congress. Okay, so these are the types of people we should be voting in, right? People that we know aren't just the voice for their district, but everybody's voice. Someone, I'm pretty sure that someone living in Utah sending an email to Laura Loomer about something, she'll look into it. I mean, I could tell you, working with her on a journalistic side from different publications and even for Illuminate Media that I contribute to, she is on top of everything always. Right now, she's not in her business because she's running for Congress. But I can tell you, she is on top of everything. She organizes everything. You know, I tell her she does way too much. Um, and I should <laughs> I give her the advice people give me, right? That's the way it always is. You always tell someone else what they're doing wrong, but you never rectify what you're doing wrong, you know, not giving yourself me time. Now, I got an interesting message, which is uh, something that I've been saying too. You know, Barr seems to be, uh, you know, always getting to the bottom of something, but never on top of anything. Love that phrase. Thank you so much, Dan. But here's the thing. 
How come the Southern District of New York, these U.S. attorneys, where Comey's daughter is, are able to be doing this? Why are we letting them? Here's the thing. You need to be able to allow someone corrupt to function as if they are untouchable because that is when they slip up. See, this is how Schiff slipped up. This is how Pelosi slipped up. There are so many people right now that are on top of this. It is insane. They don't know who to trust. And that's what's fun. Because when you're corrupt, you don't trust anyone. And then when you know you can't trust anyone because you can't instill fear, you're even more scared and paranoid. So right now they're in a paranoid phase and they're trying everything. Their actions are telling you everything you need to know. And these U.S. attorneys, this corrupt Letitia, Attorney General of New York, that's just one little section and they're nothing. They're like the toy soldiers in this war that's being waged by them. Who's them? I don't know. And instead of going to a break, I thought we would run right through that because I need the extra five minutes because I want us to take a listen uh, to uh, what our president has to say from his presser because he said stuff that we talked about. But also I wanted us to... Um, Listen to what Giuliani has to say about the Salem witch trials that are here. Take a listen. You here with reaction, President Trump's attorney, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Mayor, you know, I know the president has been saying and you've been saying you're not going to testify in front of any committee unless there's a vote of Congress uh, on whether or not they should remove him. But doesn't it also have to include the fundamental fairness issues that Newt Gingrich gave the Democrats in 98. It's all in here, Sean. This is a great letter by Pat Cifalone. It lays out about eight violations of the United States Constitution, about six violations of the president's civil rights, my civil rights, Attorney General Barr's civil rights. Uh, I never wanted in my life to appear at a Salem witch trial, which would actually be fairer than this. It's It's a process without any due process. And the fact is it's being enabled by a completely corrupt press corps. I don't know. Uh, do you think uh, do you think we're going to hear uh, on the press that a, a member of the parliament in Ukraine held a press conference today and uh, name was Andre Dierkoch? Uh, you won't hear this on the news, ladies and gentlemen, because they censor it. You only get the news that Dems want you to hear. Dierkoch publicized documents, which he said, described the mechanism for getting money by Biden senior. This was a transfer of funds for lobbying activities, as investigators believe, to Joe Biden through a lobbying company. Funds in the amount of $900,000 were transferred to the U.S.-based company Rosemont Seneca, which, according to open sources, is affiliated with Biden. The payment reference was for consultative services. And then it goes on to describe another $16.5 million payment, apparently laundered payment, involving both Devin Archer and Hunter, using political and economical levers of power, influencing Ukrainian authorities, and manipulating the issue of providing financial aid. Joe Biden actively assisted closing criminal cases. This is based on the statement today by a parliament member in the Ukraine, a very, very, a very uh, senior one, saying that Joe Biden actively assisted closing criminal cases into the activity of former Ukrainian ecology minister Mykola Zloshevsky who's the founder and owner of Burisma Group. Let me tell you who Mykola Zoshevsky is. He's a major oligarch. He stole $5 billion from his people. He very suspiciously was allowed to come back. 
His case got dismissed when they dismissed Hunter Biden's case. He's the guy who paid the 16.5 million and the 900,000 to the Bidens or through the well, it wasn't 16.5. It was more like eight million to the Biden uh, group. This guy's one of the major criminals in the Ukraine, and he's now walking around free because Joe Biden got the case dismissed. And this this gentleman uh, has said that this information should be turned over to the Department of Justice. And for their own purposes, they should investigate it. And I'm going to tell you why, Sean, because they suspect that the president of the Ukraine received a very major bribe in order to tank this case. I'm not saying Biden. Hey, let me just remind you, how much did El Chapo pay Nieto, you know, the president of Mexico, a hundred million dollars? Yep. Let that sink in for a second. hundred million dollars. So. Remember how he says you're not going to hear it anywhere else, and he did it. So rather than me play a Ukrainian clip and uh, use my really bad, um, well, no, actually, I have friends that speak Ukrainian that I um, source out sometimes and say, yo, hey, get this done for me, please, or give me the gist of this um, that I work with, you know, as a contractor. Uh, you know, they uh, offer me insight, and apparently they've inferred that Poroshenko got money. And that money is... Uh, approximately as high as what Nieto got from El Chapo. This money laundering, (laughs) it is the icing on the cake. This is why they're desperate coming out with this indictment. They want to know if there's any link, if they can find any link so they can subpoena, so they can do under the treaty. So it's totally fine. We're covered. These guys are clean. They're not. And you know what? We can slow walk it because we already got everything and it's coming out. And they're in trouble. Now, um, before we get into um, President Trump's uh, speech, which is almost identical to what we were talking about two, three days ago, um, I wanted to bring your attention to something that I had talked about um, last December. Uh, it was about Valery Spirindonov. He's this guy that had muscle atrophy that was scheduled to have the world's first um, live head transplant. I just wanted to make mention that it was successfully done in China, by the way, by this uh, surgeon on a corpse. And um, the human head transplant um, was uh, basically... Th- the first attempt at a living person with a functioning brain to be done. Now, it was done on a corpse. Now, I am hearing, I am hearing, okay, that this was actually successful somewhere in China. I'm just saying. It was somewhere, it was successful somewhere in China uh, when this Russian backed out last year in December. Uh, they found someone who voluntarily uh, came in. I, I just wanted to mention it just to plant that seed so you can think about it for a second uh, because we will be hearing about that mm, come around Thanksgiving. Uh, I thought I would plant that seed. Now let's take a listen to how our president smacks down and answers questions in regards to Syria, and we'll break that down together for the last you know 20 minutes of the show so you can understand that what we've been talking about for three years is, in fact, reality. 
attacks in northern Syria and, and had the courage, as Senator Graham said, to shamelessly evade. So uh, we have no soldiers in the area. Uh, we've been talking to Turkey for three years. They've been wanting to do this for many years, as you know. They've been fighting each other for centuries. They've been fighting each other for uh, hundreds of years. This has been going on. Uh, we were put into this battle, interjected. It was supposed to be a 30-day 30, a 30 period, and we've been there for many, many years. And it's time to get out. We're speaking to both sides. Uh, we've told uh, President Erdogan how we feel. But we are speaking to both sides, and we're seeing what can be made out of a situation. But we have no soldiers in the area. You know, we're getting out of the endless wars. We have to do it. And eventually, somebody was going to have to make the decision. And frankly, we're getting a lot of praise from that decision. We People are saying, can I sometime bring our people back home? We're really serving, and we were serving as a police force. We had defeated ISIS. We defeated the caliphate 100 percent. Erdogan and the existing uh, groups of people, including Kurds, but you have the PKK, which is a natural enemy with Turkey, and likewise and opposite. Uh, they've been fighting again for many, many years. They have their bitter enemies have been always, probably, possibly, always will be. So we are uh, we are out of there. We've been out of there for a while. No soldiers whatsoever. Uh, we are uh, taking some of the most dangerous ISIS fighters out. We've taken them out, and we're putting them in different locations where it's secure. Uh, in addition, the Kurds are watching, and if the Kurds don't watch, then Turkey's going to watch because they don't want those people out any more than we do. But we have taken uh, a certain number of... I'm going to stop for a second. When he said Turkey's going to watch because they don't want them out just as much as we do, there was a slight smirk, and I enjoyed that. I just thought I'd point that out. ISIS fighters that are particularly bad, and we've wanted to make sure that uh, nothing happened with them with respect to getting out. And uh, I think we're doing a great job. I think the people of this country, I campaigned on ending the endless wars. We're all over the world fighting wars. Half the places, nobody even knows what they're doing over there. And I feel that uh, we are doing the right thing, and I think the country feels that, too. We've had tremendous support outside of the Washington, little Washington area. And even in Washington, people are saying you're doing the right thing. Uh, has to be done. Otherwise, you're never going to do it. Okay, to a lot so I'm going to so fast forward to the end of that. You know, what he's saying is reality. We've been fighting wars when we're over here thousands of miles away for interests. Whose interests? Whose interests are we fighting for miles away? Doesn't seem like we're fighting for our interests. Doesn't seem like it's um, something that one might say is exactly what we need, right? That's what we need to remember. Here's the next question. And those countries, uh, given it to them, they could have had trials. They could have done whatever they wanted. But as usual, uh, it's not reciprocal. You know my favorite word, reciprocal. That's all I want. I don't want an edge. I just want reciprocal. You know, he's he's right. We have all these people that we've captured and all these people come from European nations. And, you know, there's so many of them right now that, um, you know, they won't take them. They won't take them back. They wipe their hands. And it's like, well, hold on a second. So what are we going to be taking care of them? My taxpayers are going to be paying 
for the people that you allowed in your country to fly to Turkey, walk into Syria, and become terrorists, I'm supposed to be responsible for them? Like, how does that work? For hundreds of years. I mean, it's amazing when you look at history and you look at culture, but you look at the length of the time and the fighting for so long. So we imposed ourselves into it. And look, I've said it. I said it just yesterday. The single worst country, the United States, if you, if you take a look at, you know, what we're doing with countries and, and uh, the relationships we have with countries, but maybe putting it a different way, the worst mistake that the United States has ever made, in my opinion, was going into the Middle East. Yep. It's a quagmire. We're up to close to $8 trillion, and we're bringing our folks back home. We have great talented military. We're bringing it back home. Our military has never been stronger, but we're now acting as police. We're, we're policing areas. We're doing jobs. And listen, guys, history tells us that, the, you know, the Middle East, Africa, Europe, all of these nations have a deep-seated history. Lots of tribal hate. Uh, you know, lots of it. Lots of animosity because they have eons of history. We're a baby nation. Like, it's none of our business, man. If they want to kill each other, go ahead and do it and get on with it. And someone might say, well, that's wrong. Innocent children. Yeah. And a 100 years ago it was happening. Nobody jumped in. Well, we actually started to with World War One. So I have to go even further because I forget that we're in the 2000s now. So in the 1800s, stuff like this happened. We didn't care unless we were winning something. So the question you need to ask yourself is the previous administrations butting in and making money, obviously, because war, the industrial military complex, right? <laughs> you know, makes money. That's how we made money in World War One. That's how we made money in World War II. That's how we had this industrial revolution for the industrial military complex, military industrial complex, however you want to word it. War makes money. But you have to think, aside from making money, what do we win by being in there? That's the question you need to ask yourself. What do we win by being in there? Mark, you didn't believe it when you heard it. And uh, Mark's never heard anything like it. And many of the people that we work with, including Democrats, have never heard anything like it. He made up a phone call. He made it up. Because what happened is they spoke about a day too early. They heard a whistleblower who came out with a false story. You know, people say, oh, it was fairly close. It wasn't close at all. What the whistleblower said bore no relationship to what the call was. We have a transcribed call done by professionals. And the call was a perfect call. But Schiff made it up. Then it turns out that the whistleblower was in cahoots with Schiff. Then it turns out that the whistleblower is a Democrat, strong Democrat, and is working with one of my opponents as a Democrat that I might end up running against. The whole thing is a scam. It's a fix. And we wrote a letter yesterday and probably ends up being a big Supreme Court case. Maybe it goes a long time. I don't know. But the Republican Party has been treated unbelievably badly and unfairly by the Democrats, John. But, but against her, they held a vote, a vote in the full House and the vote. Well, I, yeah, that sounds okay. Well, we would if they give us our rights. It depends. If they vote and say you can't have lawyers, you can't ask questions, you can't have anybody present, all of these crazy things. And even some of the reporters said to me, it really is an unfair situation. They ask all the questions. And then, for instance, the ambassador who testified was a fine gentleman. He gave great testimony for us. 
But we don't get to do any of that or show any of that. So they brought out only the couple of negative things, all which were knocked out by his other statements. It, it was a great witness for us. But if you would have listened to them, you would have said it was a better witness for them. It wasn't. It wasn't even close. He was a fine gentleman. Uh, and we saw that, and we said, that's very unfair. Yes. Mr. President, uh, there are reports this afternoon that the Chinese are lowering their expectations for a trade deal. Okay, I watched the way China, that China, like, China wants to do a deal. China needs to do a deal. They've got they've they're they're really in a lot of trouble right now uh, because they're being exposed left and right. And, you know, that's that's basically how it is. Uh, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, they're 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 going to be compliant. And, you know, them saying, oh, yeah, China says this. Stop. Stop making your narrative up like your polls. It's still horrible what's going on in this country and in the world. In the whole world, it's horrible. But no, I think they have a lot of respect for us. First time they've ever respected us. I think China has a lot of respect for me and for our country and for what we're doing. And I think they can't believe what they've gotten away with for so many years. Well, the NBA is a different thing. I mean, I watch uh, this guy, Steve Kerr, and he was like a little boy. He was so scared to be even answering the question. He couldn't answer the question. He was shaking. Oh, they'd be right now being walked into the electric chair. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like um I had to go over it. I mean that is funny. He won't talk against China because China probably pays him kind of like Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo won't say anything about China because China paid him for his last film. Remember, communism is okay if you're okay with it. I'm I'm fair on that. On this planet, there's a lot of land, lots of culture, lots of different different nations and they all contribute contribute to the whole, right? To the whole. I'm okay with communists. If they're with it, whatever floats your boat, man. I'm not going to tell you how to float it. You know, just do, do your thing. But don't be, you know, give you the two a, billion a sellout. dollars or whatever the amount was, unless you get rid of this prosecutor. And then he goes, lo and behold, the prosecutor was gone. And that was the prosecutor. Excuse me, John. 1.2 billion. That's a lot of money. And uh, then his son takes out 1.5 billion from China. And by the way, the, the 50,000 a month that he was getting from Ukraine looks like it's 168,000 split among him and somebody else's. See, I said that, didn't I? I did say he was getting more than that. Friend. And also there's a payment of about $3 million to his son. His son just got thrown out of the Navy. So Biden is dropping like a rock. I don't, I don't think he's going to make it. I didn't think he was going to make it for a long time. I don't think he's going to make it. And I guess this is one way he can do it. You know, he didn't say that until right now. And he sees what's happening to him. I guess he's no longer the front runner. But uh, look, I feel badly for him because I know uh, he's going through. He's no longer the front runner. But guess what? Um, Feinstein actually um, supports him and not Kamala Harris. I just wanted to um, state that because it's really, really important. Um, I wanted to fast forward a little bit. Um, to where, uh, President Trump goes to the next question. Hold on. Mm, hold on. Let's see. No, you know what? I want to go to the part that's juicy. Here, take a listen. 
on helping the Kurds in terms of ammunition, in terms of weapons, in terms of money, in terms of pay. With all of that being said, we like the Kurds. Now, you have different factions in there. Again, you have PKK. That's a different faction. Uh, and they worked with us. It's a rough group, but they worked with us. But we've spent a tremendous — and they're fighting for their land. So when you say they're fighting with us, yes, but they're fighting did you hear that? They're fighting for their land. We promised them Kurdistan. They know they're getting Kurdistan. Listen. For the land. Now, if we go on the theory that some of the folks in Washington go by, who all do very well with the military-industrial complex. I mean, you know, the military-industrial complex, take a look at Dwight Eisenhower. He had it figured right many years ago. It's got tremendous power. They like fighting. They make a lot of money when they fight. But it was time to bring our soldiers back home. So I see, and I will tell you, the hardest thing I have to do, by far, much harder than the witch hunt, is signing letters to parents of soldiers that have been killed. And it's not only that, in areas where there's not a lot of upside, if there's any upside at all, and in many cases, there's only downside. And especially when that soldier was killed in a Blue on green attack. You know what that is, right? That's where a soldier being trained or whatever turns his gun on an American soldier. Here, son, take your gun. You know how to use it. And he takes the gun and he turns it and he shoots one. We have many of them in Afghanistan, in particular in Afghanistan. The hardest thing I have to do is signing those letters. That's the hardest thing I have to do. And each letter is different. We make each letter different. And last week I signed five of them for Afghanistan, one in Iraq, one in Syria from two weeks ago. And sometimes I call the parents. Sometimes I see the parents. I go to Dover when I can, but it's, it's, it's so devastating for the parents that, you know, it's, it's so devastating. When they, when they bring uh, that boy or young woman out of the back of those big, powerful planes in a coffin, and the parents are there. You know, we have people that do that. That's what they do. They, they, they work that. They accommodate everybody. That's what they do. They do an incredible job. And they said, I said, the parents seem to be okay. I'll get there early. The parents seem to be okay. Well, actually, sir, they are. No, no, the way they're talking, they're really okay, aren't they? Sir, you never know until the back of that massive cargo plane opens up and they walk down holding a coffin with four or five great soldiers on each side of it, representing our various forces, that you never know. And then I see it, and I see people that were smiling. Oh, Mr. President, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here, and I think they're doing great. And then 20 minutes later, we'll be outside when that big plane pulls up, and that door comes down, and they are walking the coffin with their boy inside this coffin with an American flag over the top. And they're walking that coffin down this ramp. And I've seen people that I thought were really incredible the way they were. I didn't even understood how they could take it so well. Scream like I've never seen anything before. Sometimes they'll run to the coffin. They'll break through. Military barriers, they'll run to the coffin and jump on top of the coffin. Crying, mothers and wives crying desperately. Uh, 
And this is on these endless wars that just never stop. And And this is why we need those parents, those family members to be working our intelligence desks. We can pour the money into training them. Most of them may have skills. I mean, their kids weren't a box of rocks, so they weren't. This is why we need people that understand what the sacrifice is, that understand what is really going on and understand that their own flesh and blood gave their life for a war that was to line the pockets of those clowns sitting in Congress and sitting in the Senate right now. Those people that sit there and say, we came, we saw, he died. How many Americans have to die for wars so you can get rich? That is the question. Why are we even fighting power for them? Who is them? Who are they? Who are the ones they are answering to? I mean, I'm pretty sure every single one of you out there listening to that narrative, picturing it in your mind, probably dropped a tear because it is the ultimate sacrifice and then the ultimate anger as to why was my kid 7,000 miles away fighting for poppy fields for your darn pharmaceutical companies? Why is my kid in Syria or Libya or Mali or Niger or Burkina Faso where Obama scattered all these soldiers? Why are they there? Why are they fighting wars that have been endless for tribes and not wars at our doorstep? The only time we will go is when they come to us. And for some reason, we were convinced that all of these places around the world were coming for us. Nothing can penetrate our borders if we reinforce them. Nothing. You can't come through the south. You can't come through the north. You won't get here with a plane, a train, a boat, or walk if we don't allow it. Why aren't we reinforcing our security and why are we fighting other people's war? Who made us the policemen of the nation? And here's the thing. Turkey will move and commit genocide once again because that's what they've been doing for eons. This is history repeating itself. Open up a textbook. Uh, Open up. Go to Google, even though it's censored. (laughs) Go and search how many nations Turkey was forced to forfeit after World War II. Go and see how many thousands of people. And you know, we've used the Turks before. See, the Roman Empire did and it backfired. Use them to do what they wanted to do, which was purge the people that would not submit. And once we were tired of them and they got too strong, what happened? We see the Spanish Inquisition to push them back into the bowels of the Middle East that they came from. They have been using these tribal, you know, feelings, these these uh, anger, this boiled up anger that they have and maliciousness between themselves for their benefit. They've weaponized people that have been nuts for centuries. Turkey right now has a choice, either dissolve peacefully or be taken out by Russia. Now, you know, there's so much to talk about, but you have to remember Epstein, Gisely Maxwell. Now nobody knows where she is. I thought she was with her boyfriend in Boston. Now we don't know where she is. Epstein, super key player here. That was a very important player because 
Epstein is one of the they. Epstein was one of the they, 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 who were they. Epstein was one of their public-facing they. And we have a treasure trove. Can't wait to see the JFK files declassified now. Can we get that for Christmas, you think? Hmm, I wonder. Tomorrow will be a very exciting day. Uh, keep your eyes peeled and open and ears uh, listening for the words that are stated in between. It is very important. And remember, what is happening now is history. And it is an exciting time because you see that good is winning. Don't let them convince you otherwise. Keep praying and have faith. And like a friend of mine told me this morning, pretend you're on a roller coaster and just let go. Throw your hands up in the air. It'll make it a lot more fun. I'll see you all tomorrow, same time, same place, 12 to 2, only on Red State Talk Radio. God bless.